Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Reed shot, save Talbot. Rebounds, top of the blue paint. Reed shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, Reed shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. Here come the Oilers, 2-1-1 to win it. McDavid in for the left-hand side. Drysaddle waits. There's the center pass. What timers score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So the Eskimos finally get to battle another team. They have been battling themselves for the last couple of weeks at training camp and more battling today and an upset head coach. We'll get to that story with Morley Scott in a couple of minutes. It's Inside Sports here on 630 Chet. Thank you for starting the weekend with us. My name is Reed Wilkins. Also, the Pittsburgh Penguins, one win away from the Stanley Cup championship. They'll have a chance to clinch it Sunday in Nashville. The Golden State Warriors, one win away away from capturing the NBA Finals. They will try to do that tonight, about an hour away from tip-off in Cleveland. Golden State has not lost a playoff game. They're 15-0 in the postseason, so we'll have score eight updates once that one starts. Blue Jays later on tonight taking on Seattle. I can also tell you that uh, some new Olympic sports for the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo, including, I think, one that's going to be uh, entertaining to watch, three-on-three basketball added to the list of events. I know uh, Paul Sir and I touched on that last week. He's the head of basketball Alberta. 15 events are going to be added in 2020, including including a mixed swimming relay, a mixed track relay, also mixed triathlon relay, so combining the uh, men and women for relay events, also freestyle BMX and skateboarding. Yes, skateboarding will be in the Olympics. So next time you're walking down White Ave and some young punk, some young, young whippersnapper cruises by you on his skateboard, Don't think that he's a ruffian. Don't think you need to call the authorities. No, he could be a future Olympian. So we'll have some fun tonight throughout the show if you are so inclined to text 630-630. What sport would you like to see added to the Summer Olympics? And uh, it is seriousness optional for these replies. (laughs) Okay? Sounds good. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.08 and uh, more... Fire today for your green and gold. Training camp continuing. Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott was on the scene. Morley, how are you doing? I am good, Reed. I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> well, boy, it's uh, almost feels like a rerun, but it's not. Uh, another feisty day at Eskimos practice, though 
Uh, shall we say a far more severe reaction from the head coach today? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of days ago when it happened, Jason Moss had a meeting, put the hammer down and said, next guy who fights is kicked out of practice. And from that point on, and Moss talked about it after, he said everything went smoothly. Everyone was disciplined. Everyone did what they had to do. And they had a real good finish to practice. Today, they were doing some drills. It was right near the end of practice. And I think they still had a few more plays to run. And Moss just said, that's it. We can't get anything done. You guys are wasting my time. Called them together. He let them know in no uncertainty certain terms that he was upset that he did not like their focus he did not like their attitude he did not like their execution he did not like their discipline he made that very well known to them uh and then he he stormed off uh and the players are left to talk to the media about it and and you know mike riley as he always does classically addressed it but he said yeah that's that's the point we're wasting our time out here uh we've got things to do and we're we're mucking around, pushing each other and punching each other when we should be working as a team towards getting better. And we didn't do that today. So, yeah, the coach wasn't very happy. Well, that's two times in the last uh, last three days. I, now, I think now, it's a combination of a lot of things. Right. First off, it's freaking hot this week. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys were really, you know, they're really hot. I mean, it's it was twenty seven, twenty eight. I know for most of the guys from the south and that it was not, but uh, but I mean, it's hotter on the field. They're under those helmets and everything. No excuse, I know. Throw in the fact that. Uh, competition is really strong for several positions this year, and even the backups are providing good push, not only on the guys in their position, but the guys they're playing against every day. And they have knocked heads against each other now for 13 straight days, and about four or five of those days have been two-a-days. So they've been banging right. their teammates for a long time, and uh, they're tired of it. They really need a game, and they're going to get it on Sunday. And I just think it's a combination of everything. As Riley said, uh, the veterans on the team, the leaders are going to get together, they're going to chat it out and make sure that everything gets squared away and everybody's on the same page come Sunday. Well, and you wonder how much too, and we, and we know Jason Moss as a player was a was a fiery guy. He has shown some of that as a, as a head coach, though I think he's had to dial it back a little bit, obviously. And you and I both know the the whole inspirational speech from a movie, whether it's Mighty Ducks or whatever. Remember <laughs> the Titans trying to think uh, any given Sunday. Those happen, but they don't happen to the extent they do in Hollywood. And oftentimes when a coach does it, it's a little bit staged where mm-hmm. he does it to either wake them up or make or make himself the enemy, right? Okay, yeah. I'm sick of them fighting each other. Let them be mad at me and maybe that'll, you know, yeah. unify and, them a and, bit. Yeah, you can't you can't pull it off. You gotta time those things right. And and if you if you go off on your team every second day, pretty soon they don't hear it, right? Right. Uh, but Jason Moss isn't like that, uh, at least on the field from what we see. Maybe in the meeting rooms, I don't know, but on the field, he's not like that. He's about he's about working. Like, that's what he is. He's about working out there. And he didn't see it today, and he got mad at him, and he let them know it. So, maybe it's a good step. Maybe it's a positive step. Maybe once uh, they try and take it out in the Calgary Stampeders on Sunday, everything will be fine. But Tony Washington actually was thrown out of practice He today. was, uh, I believe he was asked to leave. Yeah, he <laughs> left halfway through it after a conversation with the coach. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. I didn't see what precipitated that, what happened before it. But, yeah, he left. Okay. All right. Uh, Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott joining us on 6.30. Chad, we have a preseason game, 3.30 pregame show, 5 o'clock kickoff on Sunday, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Eskimos against the Stampeders. I know there's going to be... what over sixty guys on the roster? Or as so many as they can. It's going to be a little lot probably. of guys yeah. on the sidelines. Yeah, I don't lines. know how I don't know how many are going to play in this but game. A they lot were... of names fans may only see on Sunday. But give me a sense of a, a new face or two, whether it's a rookie or a guy acquired from another team. I mean, Johnny Adams on defensive back is one guy I want to see. 
Yeah, I, you got to. He's a guy to watch for sure and see how he fits in. Uh, Forrest Hightower is not going to play. Another okay. guy I want to see in the defensive backfield. He's he's injured, so he's not going to play. He hasn't been practicing for about a week. I want to watch those guys at the uh, Will linebacker spot and see how they do because that is, on the defense especially, that's the glaring spot right now because they made the flip with the ratio and brought in Corey Greenwood and uh, Greenwood gets hurt and is not there. So now it's Adam Konar, it's Blair Smith and it's also uh, Christoph Malamba uh, who was a draft pick this year by the Eskimos and he's been getting some first team reps okay. at that spot. So I think we'll see him in that spot a little bit on Sunday. Don't know if he'll start or not, but he will get some reps there. So that's one thing. Defensively, that's the position defensively that I want to really watch and, and see where they, they settle with guys in the defensive backfield because they've been moving around a little bit and as we've talked about, some guys are switching positions. Gary Peters going inside and, and uh, Marcel Young going outside. So that'll be, uh, that'll be something to watch. Uh, offensively, I don't know what there is to watch offensively because they're a good offense. I mean, they, sure, they got to replace Darrell Walker, but Brandon Zilstra kind of slid into that spot already right. uh, in some respects. And, you know, he's going to line up uh, uh, inside and outside at times. So I think this offense is going to be good and, and really entertaining. So I don't know how much there is to watch there. Um, John White's been John White through camp. He's having a real good camp. Uh, he hasn't been on the field a lot. He's been given a couple of days here and there to rest, but he plays the style where he needs that rest, and why bang him up now because he's, you're going to need him you know, going, going at 100% uh, later on in the season. So to me, that's, that's the big positions to watch. I, I, I want to see how they, they work in the fullback situation too. Calvin McCarty's, you know, he's steady Eddie. He can do the job. they got some guys behind him who they've gone out and, and acquired. Uh, Dupuis, for one, in the free right. Market and, and Johnny Augustin's been switched over from uh, tailback to fullback to try and learn that position and work his way in there. So, yeah, special teams too. We're gonna have to watch Sean White and see how he does. Was well, he uh, the only guy, the only he, kicker? He's Russell? the only. Well, they they do have another kicker, but they don't even put him on the depth chart. He's just there oh, to okay. help out. Uh, I talked to Sean today, and he said his leg's pretty sore right now, but the coaches have 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 pulled him back on his reps to uh, not not sore, more so tired because he's kicking more at this camp than he's ever kicked before, right? But he's really excited to get into a game as the punter and the field goal kicker just to get a rhythm going, just to get Good. in. You know, and as he says, I'd, I'd stand on the sidelines and you know kick two or three field goals. I felt like I wasn't in the game. And you remember last year, the game against Saskatchewan, he had to come out to tie the game. Last, it hadn't kicked. He all hadn't game. kicked one field goal all game. He stood on the sidelines the entire game and then had to hit a fifty-yarder uh, to tie it to send it to overtime. Right. So uh, he's 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 looking forward to the fact that he's going to be in the games more uh, during this season. So that, all right. those are the kind of things uh, that I'm going to watch. And of course, the biggest thing for me in the preseason just come out of it healthy. Just have right. the guys. Just have the guys who you want to be playing at the start of the season come out of the preseason games healthy. Morley, looking forward to it. All right, Reed, thanks. Morley Scott checking in. Eskimos play-by-play voice here on 6.30. Chet, our coverage will start 3.30 Sunday afternoon for the exhibition game against the Calgary Stampeders. Getting some uh, interesting responses to what you would like to see in the Olympics. We'll uh, get to some of those as we roll along. I Also, speaking of uh, coaches yelling at players, the Jason Moss uh, incident today, well, incident makes it sound like it's more than it was. The, the fact that he yelled at the guys today reminded me a story, uh, of a story from my days covering the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and I'll share that with you when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, thank you, Mr. Sheriff. Hey, we're going to do what we did last year because we like sequels. 
Well, not Spider-Man 3. But seriously, last year for the week leading into Father's Day, we uh, profiled uh, an athlete and uh, his or her dad. So starting on, we're going to start with style on Monday. In studio, we're going to have Edmonton Oilers defenseman Matthew Benning, his sister from the U of A Pandas, Abigail Benning, and their dad, former NHL defenseman Brian Benning. So that's going to get Father's Day week going on Monday. So that'll be fun. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Three-on-three basketball, I I think the uh, most interesting sport being added to the Olympic Games. So I was asking you to text in which sports would you like to see in the Olympics, and I I stressed seriousness optional. Many of you embracing that. Here are some of my favorites. Uh, Tiddlywinks, one suggestion from James. Somebody else says lawn darts. Wouldn't mind seeing lawn darts in the Summer Olympics. They'd have to have a British announcer, I would assume. And his Carmichael needs to put the dot. Yeah, what are they even aiming at? Do you know, Kellen? Do they put like a hoop on the ground or something? I have no a idea. A big bullseye on the grass? That's, and also the average age of the participant would be what, 65, well, that would 66? Be, yes, that would be a way to make the uh, Olympics more age, not age appropriate, more more age, age balanced, more age inclusive. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Well, if we're gonna have but that sport, why can't young people be good at lawn darts? I was gonna say, if we're gonna have that sport, then what are we gonna have? Like those little uh, tricycle races for toddlers or something like that too? For you, like on their big wheels. Yeah. <laughs> we got one end of the spectrum. We gotta get the other end in, right? So. Stealth texting in who says bocce ball has long been disrespected by the IOC since the long grass gate scandal of 1960. <laughs> stealth, stealth making an excellent text and also mocking my dislike for the suffix gate when it comes to scandals. <laughs> Don't call it deflate gate. It was the deflated football scandal. And by the way, Watergate had nothing to do with water. It was the name of the hotel. It was a hotel, yeah. Right. That's right. So you can't just put gate on anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, Sean text again says he would like to see hockey in the Summer Olympics. Now, Sean, do you mean you'd like to see it in both Olympic Games or you'd like to see it moved out of the Winter Games so the NHL season isn't disrupted and then you'd put it in the Summer Games? Like, you know, basketball's in the Summer Games. All right, and my favorite text so far, cow tipping. Very competitive in Saskatchewan <laughs> as an Olympic sport. Now, my question there is, see, this is great because it just leads to more questions and, and discussion. W- would cow tipping be a judge sport in terms of how uh, you know proficient technically you were in tipping the cow? Or would it simply be a quantity thing? Like there's 15 cows in the field. How fast yeah. can you tip them? And I, I assume it would have to be done at night. I just want to get a press pass for the provincial playdowns. That, that would be yeah, a bigger party than a briar. Are you kidding me? It would be like how we are in, in curling. Yeah, like it's harder to win Canada than it is to, to win the world. Absolutely, yeah. Welcome to the cow-tipping provincial playgrounds at the Vermilion Agriplex. All right. So uh, there's a whole bunch uh, more coming in. We'll, we'll get to those throughout, throughout the evening. Oh, here's a great... Oh, I've got to read this one. Uh, Sean says... Is this the same Sean? Sean must be in a texty mood. He goes, we used to throw lawn darts at each other. That's the trouble with today's youth. Too soft. 
That's right, Sean. Because they're tra they're training to be skateboarders instead of throwing lawn darts at each other. Okay, so Jason Moss yelled at his players today. Uh, stormed off the field, didn't do interviews, kicked Tony Washington out of practice. It, I, I always find it interesting when something like that happens because I think a lot of fans, they love that coach that yells at his players. I don't know if it really happens that often, and I think the best coaches are really good teachers. And I think we saw that from Todd McClellan with the Oilers the last couple of seasons. Sure, he acted upset at times. You know, he might be a little terse at practice, but it was always kind of in an instructional, motivational type way. And I do think the coaches who really lose their cool over and over again, I think that wears off on grown men after a while who are doing this as, as their profession. And I, I often, I, I do believe that a lot of times when a coach really loses his mind, if you want to call it that, at his team, it is sort of premeditated, uh, you know, they time it to a point where maybe they think the team is getting a little too comfortable or a little too complacent. And one of my best stories from this is, as you guys know, if you've listened before, I worked in Lloyd Minster for seven years, uh, 2000 to 2007. Obviously, uh, covered the Alberta Junior Hockey League a lot. So Gort Thibodeau, now with Whitecourt, this past season, he, was, uh, he became the winningest coach in AJHL history. We had him on the show right after that happened. So I, I knew Gord because I he, you know he'd been in the league, I'd been around the league. We briefly overlapped when he was the coach, coach of the Lloydminster Blazers, as they were known uh, at the time. So now he's coaching Fort McMurray, and Fort McMurray has a good team, and Lloydminster had a, had a bad team. So it was probably about 10 games into the season. You know, Fort Mac, 6-3, and three, decent start. Lloyd's already struggling. You knew it was going to be a tough year. So Fort McMurray you know, comes into Lloyd, and it was like a 90% chance they were going to win. And I I think they won 4-2 or something. I mean, they didn't play great, but they were just the better team and Lloyd might have got a late Lloyd might have got a late goal and Fort Mac got an empty net or something like that. You know, it was one of those games Fort McMurray didn't dominate necessarily, but they were they were thoroughly in control of. Um, but I know Gord had this reputation too of starting to crank up the player expectations once they got to the 10-12 game point. So I'm waiting in the hallway with my with my TV camera person to do the post-game interview. And uh, Gord, you know, they usually give the players a few minutes by themselves. And he come, then he comes walking down the hallway. And he's like, uh, he's like, hey, Reed. And I was like, oh, hey, Gord, you got a sec for me? He's like, oh, yeah, just give me a minute to address the team, okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be here. So he goes into the, the room, slams the door. Now, I can't use all the language he used, but, but he starts going, are you kidding me? That's the type of effort we're going to see? We got guys too chicken blank to go up against the boards because you won't take a hit along the wall to get the puck out. Give me a blank and break. So unloads on them, basically for being wimps and not trying hard enough. Comes back out of the dressing room. <laughs> and then calm as could be. Hey, Reed, ready for that interview now? I'm like, yeah, sure, Gord. I mean, he was he was putting it. I mean, he, his message was legitimate. He was unhappy with that and wanted to raise those standards. But it was also a show of anger to get his team's attention. I'll never forget that. 627, Rob Brown coming up inside Sports on Jet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. All right, we'll talk some hockey with Rob Brown in a few minutes. Uh, Bob Stoffer is also going to be on the show for some Oilers chat and some of his memories of Hugh Campbell, who goes into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame on Monday. He'll be joined by triathlon 
organizers, Sheila O'Kelly, Lori Eisler, who's the Pandas volleyball coach, and Hugh Campbell. Uh, oh, sorry, I said Hugh Campbell. And Tim Barrett, who's coming up on the show in uh, an hour. Five-time Olympian and two-time Commonwealth Games medalist in the sport of race walking. Kind of one of those unique sports that uh, you only watch during Olympic time. Sports added to the Olympics today included uh, three-on-three basketball, some uh, mixed relays like in uh, swimming and track. Been getting a lot of text here to 63630. What sport would you like to see added to the Olympics? Ron in Red Deer has kind of an interesting one. I mean, most of these are humorous. He goes, how about rope climbing, but then add diving after the rope climb? So when they're at the top of the rope, then they got to dive. That'd be something. You got to, maybe it could be if a cliff, like you got to climb rope up a cliff and then cliff dive and then you're judged. It could be a combination of speed and judging maybe that's actually a good one another great outdoor event to showcase you know some national parks or something in their area i guess <laughs> I, I don't i don't even know what to say like that's that might be the funniest thing you ever said like, hey i mean thank god know. we got the olympic games so we could showcase our national parks we did we we didn't build a stadium for track and field, but we're sure going to mow the lawn at the yeah. National Park. Wow. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can continue. That's really good. I mean, you know, look at Sochi. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul says, uh, wait a minute, I want to save that one. Rob says rock, paper, scissors, and uh, sumo wrestling, where I would expect Japan to dominate. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Hey, uh, Reed, referencing last night's show, how about fly fishing? Not bad. Uh, a suggestion here for cat herding. Uh, well, so, <laughs> lumberjacking. Well, they have lumberjack competition, so I guess you could put that in the, in the Olympics. Uh, here's a good here, here's a good one from Paul. Who says, besides the stellar move to have skateboarding in, I'd really like to see the super dogs in the Summer Olympics. Now, I really appreciate that from Paul because I'm assuming he's referencing my dislike of the super dogs. Not my dislike of the canine species because I'm a huge fan of dogs. Yeah, But uh, I don't know, two, three summers ago, was Jack Michaels on the show? I I can't remember. But I I expressed my distaste for the super dogs with my argument being, they're not super because if the dog here's the thing they got the thing where the dog has to go through the uh, little the, the little slalom right right so they put up those pegs and the dog has to go in and out left right and then get his treat at the end how many of the dogs just run down the side or they do one and then they just run down the side if the dogs are consistently messing up the tricks they're not super dogs right they're mediocre dogs mm-hmm the super dogs would not mess up a trick. So, Paul, thank you for that. What sports do we have with animals besides the equestrian in the Olympics? Do we have any? I don't think we do. I don't think so. I think equestrian is the only one. Uh, the... We got equestrian. Well, I mean, if you dressage. included fishing, but... You will give, well, equestrian, they have the dressage. Yeah. And then they have the uh, the show, show jumping. The show jumping, Those are yeah. the two disciplines of equestrian, I yeah. believe. 
So you got the show jumping where they do the obstacles where you get timed right. and you get penalties for knocking over barriers. Mm-hmm. And then the dist- I think they still have dressage where it's almost like figure skating. Yeah. Uh, where they got to do, I don't know, like figure eights. The dressage is not a hugely televised Olympic sport. I don't think it's an Olympic sport anymore, but wasn't polo, like horseback polo, an Olympic sport? Well, it might have been at some point. And you know what? As somebody texted in tug of war in different weight class, I do believe originally tug tug of war was an original Olympic sport, was it not? I think so, yeah. I think it was. That'd be cool to bring that back. That actually now, would that'd be, be cool. amazing. And I bet you that that because that's a competition you could do it all in in one day. Mm-hmm. And I bet you on TV people would watch because you got the it's over in a hurry. You know the matches maybe would be two out of three or you'd go against everybody and you know you'd have twelve countries or whatever. And you could I have, bet you people would watch tug of war. You could have like three different classes. You could have three on three. You could have five on five. You could have ten on ten. And, and and you could hold it in the same national park where you had the sure. cliff diving. Why not? Right? So you could you could take your picnic basket to the national park, watch the uh, cliff climb, the, the the rope climbing and cliff diving in the morning, have a nice lunch, and then go over to maybe a, a, a clearing in the you know a, a clearing in the woods, and that's where the tug of war would be. Go check out the geyser that's going off behind you. You know, it's all it, good. It's, it's really a, a perfect scenario. I, I, see, now, Kel, I don't think they should award the Olympics to cities. They should just award it to national parks. Yellowstone 2020 or this whatever. This year's Olympics to be hosted in Jasper National Park. Uh, marbles. Oh, that'd be a fun, uh, fun, fun Olympic event. All right. Uh, we got a lot of events. Uh, I'll try to get to as many as I can, especially if they make me laugh. You can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. The uh, Stanley Cup could be handed out on Sunday. We'll talk about that with Rob Brown when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, here's what I'm going to tell you. The NBA season could end tonight. Golden State 15-0 in the playoffs, taking on Cleveland. Obviously, they're up 3-0 in the best of seven NBA finals. Uh, game coming up just after seven. Baseball tonight. The Blue Jays play at eight against Seattle. Jays 29-31 and on the season. Joe Biagini is going to pitch for them. He's 1-4 on the season, but has a decent ERA of 3 31 FC Edmonton plays tomorrow at seven at Clark against Miami, the best team in the North American Soccer League so far this season. FC Edmonton coming off a huge win in New York on Wednesday, four goals in the second half to upset the defending champion Cosmos 4-2. Your scoreboard is for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Eskimos and Stampeders, five o'clock. On Sunday, Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Our coverage will start at 3.30 with the pregame show. Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Blake Dermott, Brendan Ulrich, all part of our broadcast crew. Rob Brown is part of our broadcast crew for Oilers Games. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How are you doing today? I am doing great. It's good to talk to you. I mean, obviously, we were in touch earlier in the day, and uh, we both got to golf today. Well, first of all, tell us about the, uh, the tournament you were in because you were helping out a St. Albert team. Yeah, the St. Albert Merchants, which is our junior B team in town, they had a fundraising tournament today that I've gone and played in the last few years. And it's kind of neat. They get uh, whatever local St. Albert guys that have played pro come back. So Colton Pareko played today. Matthew Benning played today. Uh, Mark Spector was the MC. 
uh, Chris Joseph was out there. He was beat the pro one of the par three holes. So it was nice because we got out early uh, before the rain came down. So it was a good day for us and a good day for the St. Albert Merchants. Yeah, you started a little earlier than I did. Uh, I, I played uh, I played Devon, and uh, it was pretty good. I mean, it was overcast, but then the last three holes, my buddy and I got drenched. But, I mean, you're... You're on 16, Rob, so I'm sure you're in the same mindset. You're not, as long as there's no lightning, I'm not going to quit. But And you could accept being, now if we had six holes left and it was raining that hard, I might have had, had a different attitude. But I mean, you, you, you play in the summer, you're, you're a pretty good golfer. I don't know if you've ever uh, golfed in a, a hurricane or a snowstorm, but you must have had something to contend with at some point in your life. Oh, many, many times. We have a golf trip every year. This was our 26th year, and we've golfed in snow, we've golfed in sleet, we've golfed in torrential downpours. Whatever it takes, we seem to always able to uh, get enough liquid in ourselves to be able to get ourselves through. Uh, the lightning, uh, it, lightning and, and, and storms, it all dic- is dictated by if you're winning or losing. If you're winning the match, you, uh, you want the match to finish, so you'll play in a little lightning. But I know that there was one match that we were down a lot with on the 16th hole, and we saw a splash of lightning that was about 30 miles away, and we called her right there and said, nope, game's over, didn't get a chance to finish, no one wins any money. So my friend Dusty wasn't very happy with that one. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad the lightning stayed away because that's, that's, that's the point where, where I draw the line for sure. Uh, Rob, Stanley Cup final has been, a, has been a home show, as we like to say, dominating win by the Penguins. You know, it was, it was funny, funny last night, uh, Sidney Crosby threw the water bottle on the ice though he said it was an accident that he was making a gesture and it kind of slipped out of his hand because it, it should have been a penalty it seems we've been discussing a lot of plays to star players at these <laughs> playoffs that maybe uh should have been penalty i mean i i doubt like he said i i you know he's he's not going to start throwing water bottles at this point in his life if he's never done it before <laughs> yeah i i mean i take it at face value with what sydney said now, having said that, uh, I very easily could have seen a penalty called, and I don't care if you tried to or not. There's a water bottle on the ice, and you embarrass me. I, I went years and years ago, and I was like 15, 16. I did a Hockey Alberta uh, camp, and Kerry Fraser came out and talked to us as a referee, and I've, I've shared this with you before. And Fraser said, you can say just about anything you want to me as long as it's in a conversation-type tone and you don't embarrass me. But the moment you embarrass me, I have no choice but to, to give you the misconduct or give you the penalty. And at that point, when a water bottle comes on the ice, whether it was meant to or not, it's, I mean, it doesn't look good, and that embarrasses the referee. So uh, a penalty should have been called. However, saying that, I think over the course of these playoffs, I think you're talking five to eight penalties a night that should have been called that would have been called in the regular season it's I love playoff hockey I love the intensity I love the the willingness and the the compete but at some point you've got to draw the line of what is allowed and what is not allowed and as players you go by what the referee is allowing to go if someone can cross check you early in the first period well then you're going to feel that you can cross check back in the second period and it just continues to escalate so I, I think they may have crossed the line a few times 
And I think, it, to me, it's the league and the referee's fault for allowing it to to get as far as it's gone. Well, it's it's been a yeah, it's it's been a more of a. Dis- I mean, the ref the, the officiating always gets discussed in the playoffs. There's been more of it this year, and I almost think like the the league needs a bit of a reset. I think part of the problem is Rob is you could t- you could take 20 hockey fans. And they might all have 20 different opinions of how the needs to change, right? I mean, you and I talk all the time. You know I don't like the stuff uh, away from the play. My argument is always, if the puck's not there, why should I be able to go up and slash and cross-check a guy even if it's at 50%? You know, you, you didn't like a lot of the things Kessler did. But yet, you know, I interview Kelly Rudy every week, and he says, well, well, you know, the stuff behind the play, you got to man up and you got to defend yourself. But he complains about a lot of the slashing and, and, and things like that that's going on. So I think, I get, I, you know, I criticize the league, but I think at the same time I sympathize because I think regardless of how they enforce it, somebody's going to be unhappy about it, right? You're true. I, I think the, the biggest thing that comes into play is safety. You cannot allow things to happen that w- that may affect the player's safety. Because if if you allow a cross-check or a slash, and all of a sudden a Malik and a Crosby, a Johansson, a Forsberg is out of the game because of that, well, you know what, you're going to look pretty stupid as a league when one of your stars is not playing in the most important time of the season. Now, I understand that the compete level is higher and the, the toughness factor is, is brought in come playoff time, but uh, you could go through a video of any of the games that have been played in the playoffs, and you can point out 15 penalties that should have been called and would have been called in the regular season. And it just, sometimes it, it, it takes away from the games. And some of the series that we've seen, the, the skill level was taken away and the skill players were taken out of it because of what the players were allowed to do. And we saw that obviously a lot in the Anaheim Oilers series of what was allowed and what was not allowed. Having said that, we saw in the, the San Jose game, there, series, there was the, the casting game when he had that all-world game the two huge hits that he had, one would have been a five-minute major in the regular season, and the other one would have been a, a charging one in the regular season. So uh, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. But I think the ref sets the tone in the first five minutes of any hockey game. So I guess that referee decides how far he's going to let it go, and then the players just play off of him. Rob Brown joining us here on Inside Sports, our Inside the Game analyst for our Oilers broadcast here on 630 Chet, a former Pittsburgh Penguin, and your old team is one win away from the Stanley Cup. The recent history of the playoffs would suggest that they're not going to win on Sunday, Rob, because as we uh, saw in the Oilers series and a couple other series, if you blow a team out, you're going to lose the next game. (laughs) Well, it's true. And it also, I mean, so many people talk about momentum and series and stuff like that. And and we've always said momentum changes shift to shift. And what you did two days before, the day before, really means nothing the first time uh, a puck takes a weird bounce, a ref makes a bad call, or someone makes a great save or shot and all of a sudden the momentum changes. I think that in this series, and it's weird that you've got both goaltenders that are outstanding on home ice, and then uh, it's almost like they, they close their eyes for the next game and try to play blind because they both have not been good on the road. I personally think that Nashville will win Game 6. I think it's going to Game 7. I hope it's going to Game 7, even though I'm a Penguin fan. I, I just love the, dr- the drama that you get with a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I, I'm, as much as I'm cheering for the Penguins, I, I have a soft spot for the Nashville Predators. I, I love the way they play. I love the team that they've built. 
and obviously anybody that's a hockey fan admires what the Nashville Predators fans have been like in these playoffs. So uh, for their sake and for the sake of the Nashville Predators, I do hope they win game six and we get an opportunity uh, whatever the next game seven is. I guess they give two, three, four, whatever days between nowadays. I hope we do get to see a game seven. Yeah, well... The days off between games, I think we could also do a whole segment on that. So maybe we'll save that for yeah. the next time you're on. <laughs> Rob, thanks a lot for doing this. Glad you had a good golf tournament today. Have a great weekend, buddy. Sounds good. Take care, Reed. That's Rob Brown checking in tonight, our Inside the Game analyst for the last 11 seasons of Oilers broadcast here on 630 Chet. So in other words, this year, Rob Brown finally got to do some analysis for playoff games. Nashville-Pittsburgh Sunday that's Game 6. If the Predators force Game 7, it'll be Wednesday back in Pittsburgh, and we would have Game 7 for you here on 6.30. Chet, Inside Sports, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.55. The Big L texting in. He says, uh, hey, Reed and Rob, I'm happy to see Crosby engaged, either rubbing Subban's head into the ice or accidentally throwing a water bottle on the ice. The compete level at this stage of the season must be incredible, and 87 has had to put up with so much crap over the past decade some pushback seems appropriate yeah there have been some interesting little moments between him and uh, Subban in the playoffs and the and the trash talk whether it actually happened or not uh, to the extent that <laughs> just Subban's uh, bad breath stuff and bringing the the Listerine to the rink it, it, it's so interesting and I'm sure I wonder if a lot of you feel the same way because hockey to me is is different from from baseball, football, and basketball. You know, if I go with the the big four in in, in North America, I, I guess I wouldn't put uh, soccer in that group. Though in Europe, that would be the number. Anywhere else in the world, that would be the number one. Because hockey is 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 so different in the stuff that is blatantly against the rules that doesn't get called because of the situation, right? Like if if uh, if if a ref sees two guys engaged in a puck battle and the puck goes away and they kind of swat at each other with their sticks and blatantly slash each other, it's not called because hockey has this thing, and I'm not even necessarily criticizing it, it's just more interesting how hockey has this thing where at times breaking the rules is okay. Whereas in football, you know, basketball, you throw a punch, you are ejected, pretty much without exception. If you throw a punch, whether it connects or not, you are ejected. Uh, in hockey, if there's a scrum around the net, you can generally punch a guy or face wash a guy and usually get a warning. You know, if you keep doing it, you, you get a penalty. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, we use that word culture. I guess that's the culture of hockey. There, there are times when blatantly breaking the rules isn't breaking the rules. Bob Stoffer is going to check in when we get back. I'll get to more of your texts about sports you'd like to see in the Olympics. Having fun tonight. We're back after the 7 o'clock news. Inside Sports on Eskimos Radio, 630 Jet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.